Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Engage with Success Radio. Uh, this is show number 277 of our weekly series. I'm host for today's show, Joe Moffat, um, and today we're going to be talking about the challenges of engaging remote teams, something that from my conversations um, over the years I know is a, is a recurring challenge uh, for people working in engagement and HR and culture. And to help us explore the topic... Um, I'm very pleased to be joined by Siobhan McEwen. Um, Siobhan is Director of People Operations at Human Made, and she's going to tell us a little bit uh, more about that in a moment. Um, but Siobhan is going to be talking to us both from her perspective um, as Director of People Operations um, at Human Made, but also uh, from the perspective of um, a book that she's written on the topic, which um, we're going to be sharing some of the insights of as well. So, so welcome to the show, Siobhan. Hello, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for thank you for coming on board. So um, yeah, so today it's going to be all about the challenges of engaging remote teams. Um, and of course, um, this radio show is, is delivered remotely, really. Um, so we're a good example of of how we do that. And sometimes we have technical challenges, um, and sometimes we have to overcome them, um, which we have just managed to do. So well done with that. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit before we get into the topic about you. What's your professional background, Siobhan? Um, oh, my professional background is kind of all over the place. Um, so I'm currently Director of People Operations at HumanMade. We're a remote web development agency. But I've come via um, studying philosophy, working as a writer, working as an events organizer. And somehow I ended up here at the end of it. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, tell us then a little bit more about HumanMade. Give us a little bit of a thumbnail of the organization. So we are a web development agency. We build um, big websites and applications for enterprise, um, news companies, things like that, all based mm-hmm. on WordPress. There's all right. six, 67 of us, I think, at the minute, and um, we are spread all over the world, so we're fully, fully distributed. Um, right. we, we do have one little office in Matlock in Derbyshire, but only a couple of people work there, and we have one in in Brisbane as well, a few people work in there, but everyone generally works from home or from a home office. Right, all right. So you're not just uh, remote workers in that you're spread all over the globe. You are literally people working in individually in their own home environments, like by and large. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I work from an office. Some people work from co-working spaces. Some people <laughs> go around to different cafes. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people are digital nomads, so they're just always in different places. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. everyone does it quite differently. Yes, yeah, each to their own, yeah. And, and is it a relatively new organisation? Um, I think we were founded in 2010. <laughs> I can't remember right. off the top of my head. But 2010, I'm pretty sure, although my right. brain's sounding 2012. But, yeah, about 68 years old. Okay, okay, fine. And uh, so a tech startup, basically. But a, but And was, was, the, was the business model always that you were going to be... Um, Work, you know, people would be working in that way. Um, no, the, the, the first employees, there was like four, and they all worked from an office. And then mm-hmm. one of um, the employees moved to Australia. So that was the first attempt at um, mm-hmm. working remotely. And then they hired someone who was in Brazil at the time. 
and it just just went from there. And then right. people who were in the office started moving away, and yeah, mm-hmm. so now mm-hmm. it's completely remote. So it's right. Okay, I've got you. Okay, but it's so, very I mean, early on. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, really, human made is a is a is a, is an archetypal flexible organisation. You really are um, doing uh, entirely what other organisations perhaps either are trying to do with some of their workforces or um, have to do because of the nature of the work that some of their people do. But you you know you really have embraced it as the way that you deal, the way that you do business different time zones, different countries, and, and I guess that presents an awful lot of challenges, doesn't it? But, but you are an example of what is, I, I'm sure, that, you know, there are an awful lot of organisations who, who are trying to do this to a greater or lesser extent. And I just wonder, do you, do you have any, any sort of um, stats or quantifiable evidence to the extent to which this is a trend that is, is being embraced? I mean, we kind of get a sense, don't we, when we go to Starbucks or Costa or anywhere, that there's, everyone is in there working. But I just, I just wonder... You know, whether you've got any numbers to share, just to give us some context originally. Yeah, I have a few. So um, in the UK in particular, the Office of National Statistics did a, they released some data and they said there was 4.2 million home workers, which is about 13.9% of the workforce. Um, that nice. was in 2014. And then this year, IWG, who um, are behind... I don't know if you've heard of Regis and Spaces. They'd be like you know, office hire and things. Yes, and they released a study based on uh, 18,000 business people across 96 companies. And they found that 70% of employees work from home at least one day a week. Um, seven, more than half. 70. So, Was that 70, yeah. Sean? 70. Seven, 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 right. And then about 53% work remotely half the week or more. And mm-hmm. 11% work outside the main office. Uh, right. five times a week so right. yeah it's it's quite sensitive and it's growing as well um i don't have any specific statistics about the number of companies but there's quite mm. a lot of data employees mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's let's come back then. I mean, you know, it's, it sure as hell isn't going away, is it? That's for sure. Um, no, and with, you know, tech developments will mean it. In theory, it should become easier. So, um, I mean, in terms of it, the impact of this on engaging your workforce how how do you uh, how do you cope with that at human made i mean do you first of all for example do you actually measure employee engagement there yeah so we started measuring engagement last oh no earlier this year so we did our first engagement survey this year um mm-hmm. just when i took over the role actually um to get a sense of you know people's engagement how happy they were um we mm-hmm. use a platform called culture amp oh yeah i knew with that yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we use that to, um, and we do an engagement every, survey every six months. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting um, to. What, what kind there. of trends? What kind of trends? Or what? What so much trends? What kind of issues has that uncovered for you? Do you think? And so the big ones are around feedback. Something you lose whenever you are working remotely is just like. Being in the same space with someone and talking about stuff just generally throughout your day, like you actually have to take a, an extra step to give someone feedback. You have to like go and do it like online. You couldn't just mm-hmm. be like having coffee with someone talking about something. Um, yeah. So I yeah, think that's somewhere that happen, does it? Exactly. Just, it doesn't you just, know, just stumble into each other and have a brief chat. It has to be. It has to be engineered, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So. 
Um, that's probably where we have struggled a little bit, or we're definitely working on processes to improve that. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't say if it was the same across other remote companies. Um, no, but that is something no. that's we've encountered. And of course, you've got the added complexity of different time zones as well, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that is a big challenge, is time zones. Uh, got a number of different issues around that. One is around silos. You don't want to end up with regional silos. Um, mm -hmm. which it would be very easy to happen for us to have um, silos based on time zones, but our identity as a company comes from being remote and being mm -hmm. able to work with people anywhere in the world. So we focus mm -hmm. a lot on things like how we communicate with one another, um, mm -hmm. particularly around whether we should communicate synchronously, so everyone at the same time, or whether we are more asynchronous, so we have to write things up, post them in mm -hmm. places, give lots of people an opportunity um, to respond to things. Um, so yeah, we're always like looking at how we can make it easier for people to communicate with people who might be mm -hmm. asleep when they're working. Sure, absolutely. So, so have you come to a decision about the preference between synchronous or asynchronous? No. no. <laughs> I, <didn't say> <laughs> um, I think for major decisions, like um, everything needs to be documented asynchronously. Um, mm -hmm. So if we're discussing slight change in strategy or we're discussing just an idea, um, we will post it somewhere. We have various tools for posting things and then we will let people have the opportunity to discuss that but you know day-to-day mm -hmm. -day chit chat happens in slack which is our tool for communicating oh, right. yes. And yes. lots of back and forth just you know mm -hmm. in there and you know people want to chat to each other so we use slack in engage for success actually in the core team um we yeah. use engage for success in order to because because basically as an as a movement we are we are remote from each other and we don't always meet and a lot of times we work virtually um, and so Slack is, a, is a, a really good tool we find for that. So, uh, so yes, I'm familiar with that one. Um, and any, any other key things you've found over this sort of first year of, um, of measuring engagement? Um, I'm trying to think of other key things. Um, I mean, it's really important for a company to have a strong identity and a strong sense of like um, being something that people want to be part of. And I think that's something that really came out in our engagement survey. And I think something that we've done to have try and achieve that is um, we're very transparent as a company. Like we share as much as possible. Our mm -hmm. default is to um, is to share as much information across the company as we can. So whether that is like updates in the company finances to like what's in the hiring pipeline, like we're as transparent as possible and our the partners in the company regularly update, like our CEO does regular updates about like, this is what's going on, these are problems we are having, these are things that we're doing to fix them. And that, that transparency is really important for making people feel like they're part of the company. Yeah, do, do, you, do you think that's something that is um, particularly important because you are uh, working with remote, with a remote workforce? Or do you think that's something that actually is important in any organization or do you think it's do you think it is because they're remote they can feel isolated and so by being transparent it reassures it can be reassuring yeah i think it's important in any organization to be transparent but i would definitely say it's essential when you're working mm. remotely um mm. like there's those issues around isolation um you don't want people to feel isolated you want people to feel connected to what's going on 
And also, remote work operates through trust. You've got to trust all of the people who are um, working for you, and they have to trust the company as well. So by being transparent and upfront about what's going on, it, that helps build that build that um, yeah. environment of trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you're talking about important to have an identity and to um, a clear identity, and people can see that they are part of something. And certainly, um, that's very much uh, understood to be something that is. It's important to all employees. It kind of ties in with the first enabler of engaged with success, the need to have a strong strategic narrative and to be able to tell your story about where you've come from and where you're going or in, you know, what we might call our purpose. And that applies to everybody, but it is particularly seen to be a key driver amongst um, so-called millennials or Gen Y. And I, Would I be right in saying that your workforce are largely in that demographic? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it is. It is particularly important to understand, you know, why am I getting out of bed in the morning? Um, I guess mm-hmm. so. So, so you touched on uh, Siobhan, You touched on the fact that you, you Slack, for example. You talked about that as one of the tools. Um, I mean, I guess as a tech company, um, you must embrace tech wholeheartedly to try and address some of these challenges. Do you? Yeah. So. The communication tools are basically our equivalent of an office. Like that's uh-huh. what we have. Um, yes. They create the environment that we work within. So, you know, um, and the, the tool that you choose sets a different tone to the conversation. Um, uh-huh. So, using Slack can make people communicate in one particular way. Using internal blogs, which we do a lot, um, mm-hmm. is an, another way of. It just um, it molds and shapes the conversation that you're going to be having. Um, mm-hmm. We use um, GitHub, which is you know a development uh, version control tool, but we use our issue tracker for discussing issues. Um, you use what tracker? Not, Sorry, I didn't I didn't catch what that was. You use what tracker? Uh, it's it's called GitHub. It's a GitHub, G I T H U B, and it's for web development or you know, software development. But we use mm-hmm. it um, for tracking not just software development issues, but for just general issues as well. And it's a okay. good way for us to have like a record of what things are being worked on, and you can have discussions and stuff on the tickets as well. Mm-hmm. And it helps us mm-hmm. sort of focus on outcomes and problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is yeah. it? As a, as a tech company, do you, you know, do you all embrace every new tool that comes along? Is there, a, is there a risk sometimes that you've got, you know, just too many, too many tools being used, and or do you end up settling on a, on a handful of ones that everyone just embraces? Yeah, we have way too many tools. Definitely. Way too many, really. But <laughs> yeah. you can't say no. Um, can't, can't say uh, no to tech. <laughs> yeah, we do like trying new things, um, especially if it looks really nice. <laughs> Yes. Um, and yeah, and sometimes we end up in situations where there's just too many different tools being used. Um, we are aware that that's a problem, but we do like trying new tools. So right. Not everything right. is going to work out. I mean, like with GitHub that I was just talking about, I'm having various frustrations with that at the minute. Um, mm. But you know, you try something out, and then if it doesn't work out, you try something else. Yeah, and I'm 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 imagining you're, there's no shortage of suggestions and ideas coming from your uh, 60, 67 employees. They've all got their suggestions and favourites, I guess, put into the mix. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, so talking about that, so what we've got 67 employees at the moment. You've obviously grown um, rapidly in the time that you've been in, in in business. So, are they? They're all across the country. Roughly, how many countries are you 
operating in? I think we're in about 16, or we have six employees, 16 companies. Countries. Right, right. Yeah. right. And do you, do you find that, that, that the, the country that they're based in also has an impact on the kind of culture that the organization has in, the, in, those, in those countries? Or are they all, yeah. all human-made cultures? It doesn't matter where they are. Well, everybody brings something different. Um, and you, there are definitely cultural differences in the way that people communicate um, or the mm-hmm. way that people approach work. Um, mm-hmm. Like when we did our engagement survey, um, the Americas region, so that's America, North America, South America, although most of our people there are in North America, um, they were just so positive about absolutely everything. They were like the most positive. And then you had like, we have quite a lot of people in Britain and they were definitely much more grumpy. <laughs> so it's quite, it's quite interesting to see the cultural differences. Um, but you can see it in the way that people communicate with one another. Some cultures, people from different cultures are more blunt. Some people use mm-hmm. more emoji. Um mm-hmm. Often people will use turns of phrases or idioms, which might can be confusing to other people um, who don't yeah. have English as their first language. So, yes. you know, we, we have to set the expectation that it's okay to ask if you don't understand what someone's saying, because mm-hmm. often people mm-hmm. say things which are totally baffling. Yes, yes. And of course, there is always that problem, isn't there, when you put something down in words, whether it be on an email or whether it be on a collaboration tool or a status update you, you you can't always hear the tone of voice behind what they're saying yeah absolutely and can, you know that can mislead people get the wrong end of the stick can't they or there I am using an idiom there a piece of you know getting the wrong exactly. end of the stick um, and it was a fabulous interview on the radio earlier in the um, end of last week where they they were interviewing one of uh, somebody in the Russian government um about the uh, security issue and the Salisbury poisoning, and they, the, the interviewer used a piece of, uh, used an idiom, and she talked about what do you, what do you say about people reading into the situation, such and such, and and he just couldn't understand what she was talking about, and she was saying reading in, read something into something. He just kept focusing on the fact that he thought she was talking about reading books or reading magazines. You know, he, he just did not understand what she was getting at. Yeah. You do have to be very, very careful. So have you, have you as an organization tried to define what kind of a culture you want across the, across the globe? Bearing in mind, you've got these different countries and their cultural differences. Do you, have you tried to put some kind of shape on that as to what you actually want to see? Yes, yeah, so we first start, took our first stab at that, as a cultural idiom for you. Um, mm-hmm. Just um, a couple of months ago, uh, our leadership team got together and we did a first pass at um, coming up with our company values, corporate values, um, mm-hmm. which we are quite a values-driven organization, um, but they've always been implicit. So people have always right. made decisions based on implicit values rather than ones that have ever been written down and everybody's got slightly different like interpretation of what they are. So mm-hmm. we did an um, initial sort of list of what our values are, and then we have come back to the company and we started, we did a survey, and then we've been doing two workshops a week where we I look at two of the values in detail and just talk through them and talk about the impact of them, talk about how they might be changed so that at the end of the process, like I want everyone to have had some level of involvement with actually coming up with the final list of company values. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. And I mean, we've already touched on the enablers, the engage with success for enablers, and that clearly is enabler number three, which is about tapping into employee voice 
Um, mm-hmm. and certainly, again, from my experience of working with, with organizations and helping them not only define their culture, but then helping them to embed that culture and get their people to engage with it and really truly live it, you, it, you absolutely have to involve them in that process. Otherwise, there's this sense that it's just been something's just been dreamt up in a darkened room and been plonked on them. And, um, you know, that just is never going to fly in a million years, is it? So, uh, so that's interesting. And what sort of response have you had to that has it been a positive one Siobhan yeah it's been really mm. positive I you know the the leadership team that got together was fairly representative of the company so the list that we came up with um you know represented I would say a lot of um the employee concerns already so a lot mm. of the discussion has been um refining them or maybe talking about where we uh, are missing something like we didn't really have anything that spoke directly to engineers and our engineering team mm-hmm. um, but things that like trusting each other um, you know focusing on the positive and facing the negative um, having really people at the center of everything like they were all things that people supported so I'm more positive mm-hmm. about it so that was good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. So, I mean, do you ever get everyone together in in a, you know the whole company? Is, is that ever ever something that can happen, or is that just a definite? You know, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, we do that every year. Um, we oh, get together. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the next, or we have an annual company retreat, and the whole company gets together, and we just spend a week together doing stuff. <laughs> right. Um, right. We talk about. Uh, issues in the company, we do flash talks, everyone has to do a flash talk on something not related to work, that seems mm-hmm. quite fun, we um, do activities together, so our last retreat was in Italy, do things like wine tasting and cheese tasting and uh, go partying, and then mm-hmm. um, the next one's in Sri Lanka in all right. February, uh-huh. so yeah, we'll all, get, all get together then. Uh, right, so and people, must really relish, people must really relish that, I would have thought. It's so important. It's so important to meet people that you work with. Um, mm. One of the things that um, is really striking, not just that I find in this job, but in other jobs, because I've worked remotely for a long time, is you can communicate with someone online and, and you can just really not like them. <laughs> just think, yeah. oh, God, I find this person really difficult. And then you meet them in person and they're wonderful. And it's just their communication style and your own hasn't really that hasn't really clicked um yes so it's yes. so important for people in the company to meet one one another it's just mm. once once you've met someone you read their text as though they're speaking it to you and you understand the inflection of it and you understand their sense of humor and it's just it's so important sure no absolutely absolutely um but that's no that's no small investment though is it what you're describing there in terms of the, the annual retreat you know that's a that's a, that's a big, big, yeah. big investment in your people, but but as you say, very very valued and very important. And um, well, let's let's finish. We've got about just over five minutes left, um, Siobhan. Let's just you you touched on it there that um, um, you know your sort of wider experience. And I I wanted to talk to you about the book that you've you've written. I think it's called A Life Lived Remotely: um, mm-hmm. Being and Work in the Digital Age. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? So that came about, I've been working remotely for about six years, simply when I started thinking about it. And um, I've had a lot of experience working remotely in it. I've noticed how, you know, the world is changing, you know, work is changing because of the internet. And I was changing because of the way 
my work was changing and I just wanted to sort of write something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's partly based on my own experience, but then it also looks at things like the broader social and economic implications of, of remote work. Um, yeah, I'd like I'd like to explore that a bit more in, in a moment. So, so who's the book ta- um, designed for? Is it a sort of is it a sort of self help book to help people who are working remotely make the best of it and embrace it, or is it a is it a, is it more to an organisation that is um, thinking of getting their people to work remotely as to how they can be successful at it? Where where does it sort of sit? Um, or is it neither of those things? It's neither of those things. <laughs> um, okay, well, tell me what it is then. Um, well, I feel like um, I should have a better answer to this. <laughs> I mean, it's for anybody who like is interested in remote work or is working remotely, and it just mm-hmm. discusses some of the issues that come up. Like, I definitely don't have any answers, and I don't pretend like I don't have any answers because everything is changing so fast. But it's a, a talk about what the issues are, how they impacted me, how I dealt with them in my own life, um, and okay. how, you know, how they have broader implications beyond me as well. So. Okay, that sounds interesting. So so without sort of um, going into too much detail, what from a personal perspective, from an individual's perspective, because we've spoken for most of this interview, we've been talking about it from the from the kind of corporate perspective, but from the person who is on the receiving end of working remotely, what kind of impact does it have on somebody then, personally, to, to work professionally but by yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of things. One is that um, you've not got any boundaries between your work and the rest of your life. So you actually mm-hmm. you have to create boundaries which aren't there. I certainly find when I started working from home that I was working all of the time. Like just mm-hmm. like I, I've always felt like I might as well be working, which which wasn't helped by the fact I was freelancing, so I was charging by the hour. Um, and yeah. that definitely had a big impact on my life and my relationship as well. That had a pretty bad impact on my relationship because I was like all I wanted to do was work. Yeah. Um. So that's one thing you like. People usually take about a year to settle into working remotely and to really mm. get into a rhythm and know how they can set boundaries, create boundaries. Mm. Um, and then another one is definitely isolation. So right. for a long, long period when I was working online, I was uh, um, we moved to Kent and I had not mm-hmm. made any friends there because we moved to my husband's job, and I didn't actually have any friends where I was living. Um, so I had lots of friends online. But mm-hmm. I didn't really have anyone I could just pop out for coffee with or go for a drink with on a Friday. Um, right. And that left me feeling quite isolated, especially then when I had children and I was just felt like it was just me and my husband and my baby and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something like you need to actively develop a like an in-person network of people. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you can end up feeling very, very isolated. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and and that's interesting. And 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 from a general sort of social perspective, um, what are there, are there any other you know any other kind of key trends that you think are, are important? Yeah, I mean, communicating online like it's fraught with all sorts of difficulties, and you see all of these things on Twitter. So you have like things like trolling, people acting without empathy to one another, and you know. Um, we communicate with text, it's just bare words, like literally mm-hmm. just the words on the screen. Um, and you've also got this barrier between people, so you're just treating people like they're just words on the screen. So 
you know, you have to like really be thoughtful about how you're communicating online. And, and I think part of the problem is that like, A, lots of people are not, and B, the platforms that we use aren't really set up for that. Um, mm. so. so who do you think, um, Siobhan, who's, who's responsibility, if we go back to the corporate world where we began, yeah. within the corporate structures and the corporate environment, who's responsibility is it to be aware of these issues these risks these challenges because actually all of these risks that you're describing they are potentially quite damaging to people's health and well-being certainly potentially damaging to their mental health for which responsibility so whose responsibility is it to sort of get on top of this and try and put it right i definitely say the company um Hmm. because when you get asked, when you ask people to work remotely, like you're putting all of well a lot of like risk onto them, like um, like they're now by themselves, and you could just if you wanted to be like a company like this, you could just give them lots of work and and that's it. But then you're just leaving these people isolated. They're not going to stay with you for very long. If you want to have a healthy company, you need mm. to you have a healthy employees, and that means creating good environments for them and, and being upfront about what the issues are and you know how to detect them and then doing what you can to help prevent them. Yeah, yeah. So really it's about recognizing that you can't just sort of shift people into a remote environment and think that you can carry on doing the same things that you have always done in terms of the way you treat people. You've actually got to actively engineer solutions to some of these issues that you've identified. Um, yeah. otherwise it could all, all end in tears yeah okay yeah. Siobhan we've come to the end of our show um, time has flown by as always um, it's been great having you on thank you very much for joining us thank you for sharing your experience with us um, and uh, everyone thank you very much for listening we'll be back at the same time next week thank you goodbye thanks bye Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.